everyone, and welcome to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Connie Nast Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Lala Arakoglu. Hello. This week, we are rounding up some of the questions we're seeing again and again in our Facebook group in a special coronavirus edition of our Frequently Asked Questions series. Don't worry, this will not be all doom and gloom, but hopefully instead give you some practical tools for dealing with your upcoming trips and give you a little bit of hope for the future. And if you get to the end of this episode and still have questions, head to cntraveler.com slash coronavirus for more info. Today, we are joined by associate editor Megan Sparrell and transportation editor Jessica Puckett to help get some answers. Um, So Jess, I have a question for you to kick things off, which is, in the past year, you've had not one, but two trips cancelled. The first was a trip to California because of wildfires, and the second was a trip to Italy because of the pandemic. What do you think you've learned from all this travel stress Do you think you've become more or less of a planner? Do you think that you'll be able to accept that certain things are beyond your control? Or do you think you're just going to travel the same when this is over? No, I mean, I think this is definitely the past year of trip planning has definitely changed the way I approach all my vacation and trip kind of scheduling. Yeah, like you said, I... Cancel. I had to cancel a trip to Italy, like most people had to cancel travel because of the pandemic. But also last October, I had to cancel a trip to Napa Valley because of the wildfires that were happening out there. And yeah, I think travel stress is definitely the term that I would use to label both these things. Um, I took many phone calls, many emails. Um, I got my money back for both of these trips, which was not an easy feat. And I think it just has totally shifted my perspective as far as how I'm going to book any air travel, any type of hotel. I think from now on, I'm just going, once travel opens up again, I will probably block out a a week or something in my calendar and uh, a month or even a couple weeks ahead of time, I'll look at what flight deals are available, what hotels I can book and just kind of jump on it then. I think that the industry is also kind of going to shift in this direction, especially once we see a little bit of um, reopening after COVID-19 kind of starts to improve a little bit. Um, I know there's going to be probably a lot of flight deals in the industry just to get people back on plane. So hopefully that's conducive to kind of the last minute booking that I'm interested in. Looking back at both of those trips that ended up not being trips what's your biggest booking regret what's the thing you wish you hadn't done I will say for the California trip I booked through a third party I think through a third party for the hotel and they were actually great they got my money back but it was definitely an extra step I had to call my hotel call the third party send emails paperwork back and forth And they both were really flexible and I got my money refunded, but it definitely complicated matters. So I think in the future, I'll try to avoid that. (laughs) I will say, uh, yeah, the airline, the hotel, um, even some tours we had lined up, everybody is really flexible. So that was good. But it did, it took a lot of energy um, and it was a little overwhelming. And I was able to book kind of an impromptu vacation after the California trip had to be canceled. Um, and I went with my boyfriend to Belize and I kind of, I'm the travel booker in the couple. So I was kind of, 
you know, canceling everything from California, booking everything for Belize. And we finally got there. And I was just so like overwhelmed and kind of like tightly wound after all this travel stress that we were actually trying to plan activities. And this hotel concierge when we were there was listing out, oh, you can do like snorkeling. We have hikes in the in Mayan ruins, all this great stuff. And I actually started crying because I was so stressed out. Yes. I was like, I can't have another thing to plan. I just want to sit on the beach. <laughs> so yeah, that was like a little bit of a breaking point. So hopefully avoiding that in the future. I think that's a fair thing to ask for going forward. <laughs> I agree. Megan, I know that you have written about this, but I feel like the real million-dollar question right now that everyone is grappling with is, should you cancel your summer or fall trip? Should you cancel it now? Should you cancel it later? Should you not cancel it at all? I feel like, kind of like Jess was saying, there are so many options, which is really overwhelming and not a ton of answers. So what advice have you been giving people about what they should do? Um, it's it's funny because I feel like every day we talk about this, the trips we're talking about are further out. So I feel like last week I was t- hearing a lot of people ask about summer and fall trips now. I feel like people are, are already talking about like winter in 2021. I feel like time is just so malleable right now and no one can wrap their heads around when we're going to be out of this. I mean, I don't foresee summer travel with planes happening. Um, I don't know if many people do. I think now is when a lot of fall weddings are starting to get moved um, and canceled. So I think that's also kind of my metric. But I think what's really helpful is like the ambiguity of all of this is really hard for a lot of people, myself included. It's very stressful. And I think like having these book trips that you've spent a lot of money on looming over you can be really mentally exhausting. And so everyone is like very eager to make a decision on their trips that are further down the line. And I think like you don't have to make a decision on a lot of things very soon. So Jess could definitely speak more to like the flights, but you actually don't have to cancel a flight until before the departure time. And if you wait till closer to the flight is about to leave, it might be canceled on you, which puts you in a better position for a refund. You know, for a lot of like Airbnbs or hotels, you actually don't have to make a decision until a couple of weeks out. So I feel like everyone's really eager to make the call on their trips, but I think the best thing to do is just figure out when you actually have to make a decision on them per cancellation policies and just like wait it out because like we don't know what's going to happen in the winter. I don't know what's going to happen next week. And so I feel like you just have to tell yourself like I can't do anything about this now. I'll deal with it later because I just think like travel is also going to come back in such waves, you know, that it's maybe certain trips will be feasible in the fall, but others won't. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about right now. I think that's an interesting point what you said about how, you know, no two trips are the same right now. And obviously, domestic travel is going to kind of return before international does. What's your advice to someone who maybe has a trip booked domestically? You know, the chances of that flight being cancelled if they wait it out are pretty slim. Like the flight is always going to go. Should they just cancel it now? Is that going to, is it worth just putting your mind at ease? Because I think, you know, there's so few things that we can have control over. Sometimes I think people just want to be like, screw it. I just not don't want to have to think about this thing. Yeah, I mean, so I had a flight, what's today? I was supposed to be on a flight today and I canceled it yesterday. I just waited because I thought maybe they will cancel it because, I mean, if three people are showing up, why run the flight? I think, I don't know, a lot of specialists are saying wait two or three months out. So like as travel is on hold, any trips within two or three months are pretty iffy if they involve 
plane travel, especially if they're international. Domestic's a little harder. Um, so to me, like if they're months out, I say just wait on it. I think this this spring trip I knew wasn't going to happen, but I also just figured like there was no harm in waiting and maybe the airline's policy would change, you know, over like the month that I was waiting to cancel it. Maybe they would offer immediate cash refunds or maybe they would change, you know, offer bonus vouchers. Some airlines are offering people if they're willing to take a a credit instead of a cash refund, they're saying we'll give you a 20% bonus for when you book a future flight. So I think I just thought like the situation can't get any worse for me. I'm not going on my trip. I'm going to have to cancel. I'll probably have a voucher that like I have vouchers on so many airlines by now. I can't even keep track. So I think I've just figured like waiting usually is never a bad thing still. But I think if it's making you really anxious, like do whatever you got to do. And if that means like canceling your trip in December, like do it. You can always rebook it. And I think the other thing I mean, to me, with the waiting is we don't know what things are going to look like in October. We don't know what things are going to look like in December. Um, And if you have a trip that's that late in the year, on the optimist side, things might be better and we might be able to travel and you might be able to take that trip. And you're not going to know how comfortable you're going to feel doing that until you're quite close to when you're supposed to be taking that trip. So waiting while maybe the unknown is stressful might actually lead to like a better outcome because you're not proactively canceling when you might not have to. Everyone's trying to predict what's going to happen, right? We're doing it right now. It's impossible. I mean, even in, in, in normal life, it's impossible. So I think, you know, Meredith, what you said about just like waiting and also like trying to be realistic, but also let yourself have a little kind of glimmer of optimism isn't the worst idea. And, and you know... If you have to postpone your trip, then you have to postpone your trip. It doesn't mean the trip won't happen. Right. And from just like a pure airline policy perspective, what we're seeing is if you don't cancel and the flight takes off and you're not on it, a lot of airlines are securing the value of your flight anyway in a voucher. So you kind of still have the option of a voucher. And that's just really... Airlines are trying to, you know, make sure they're not getting as many calls to their call centers at this time because I think their customer service agents are so overwhelmed. So you always have that in your back pocket if you want to wait up until the last minute and see what happens. That's kind of perfect because my fear is that I forget and then the plane leaves and I'm like, oh my God, like I have so many alarms set on my calendar, on my phone to be like, cancel the flight. But if that's happening, like, who cares? (laughs) Well, and I'm also... (laughs) a relatively disorganized person. And when a wedding I was supposed to go to in the Caribbean got postponed to next year, the decision was made right as, you know, the pandemic was kind of starting to tear through the world um, and all of our lives were being upturned. And so I think then it was like, people just like had felt like headless chickens, like no one really knew what to do. Um, And so some friends of mine just immediately canceled their flights and got vouchers and didn't even try and like negotiate with the airline or anything. They just took the vouchers. And then me being totally disorganized, just like kept on putting off canceling my flight. And then eventually I just got a call from American Airlines telling me the flight was canceled and that they would be refunding me cash into my bank account. So I didn't get a voucher. My laziness (laughs) led to me actually getting a cash refund and my very organized friends are stuck with vouchers that they're going to have to try and use now. And so, Jess, I know that you have covered this a lot for Traveller, but kind of what are all the sort of nuances when it comes to getting the right compensation? And is it always better to get cash back? Or sometimes should you actually be trying to get a voucher? Are there any perks to that? 
Right, so it can be kind of complicated. The airlines definitely aren't making it very easy or obvious um, as to what you're owed, cash versus voucher. So there are a few steps you should take if you're deciding to cancel or not. Like we said, um, step one would be to check if the airline has canceled your flight, first of all. If the airline cancels, then you are owed a refund within the original form of payment. So whether that was cash or credit card, they should reverse the payment for you. If you do decide to proactively cancel and the flight is still scheduled to happen, they technically do not owe you cash and they don't owe you anything. But a lot of airlines are being flexible and trying to secure the value of your ticket with a voucher, with a travel credit, something like that. Um, there's just been a lot of confusion. Um, I know when I tried to cancel my flights to Italy, there was a lot of, I don't know, I kind of felt like I was being nudged in a certain direction of, oh, pop-up window, claim your voucher now, and uh, don't worry, your ticket value is safe in a voucher. You don't have to call for your cash, but you can do a voucher online. So they kind of try to force you down the path of getting a voucher. My recommendation would be to call your airline. Even you might need to call to ask about the status of your flight. For me, it wasn't clear whether my flight was actually happening whether it was canceled or significantly changed or delayed. Um, so I actually had to call up the airline, ask, um, they confirmed it was canceled, and then I asked for a cash refund. Um, they kind of, it wasn't as easy as it was for you, Lolly. I don't know why this happened to me, but they had me fill out a form online too. And then they actually said, I wasn't owed a refund. I had to call them a second time and say, no, here are the DOT rules. Can you double check? And they finally reversed their decision and I got my money back. But it definitely was an arduous process. So I would say if you do want that cash back, um, be willing to wait on hold when you call and have your facts ready to quote to the customer service agent. I would also suggest, I mean, I was supposed to go on three trips um, in late March, early April, and kept trying to call Chase to get my flights canceled or rescheduled because I knew I was not going to be able to take them. And the hold times were something like nine hours when I would call in. Um, now, obviously, they are not that bad because that first rush of people has moved through. But I would suggest potentially waking up in the middle of the night and calling. I know that sounds like an absolutely crazy trick, there will be a lot less people calling in, and most of the call centers are 24 hours. So just double check those hours, see if there's a time that's reasonable for your sleep schedule for you to call in because you might get a little more time and personal attention if you are calling outside of the normal working hours of most of the customer service agents. And if other people are like me right now and you find yourself staring at the ceiling at 3 a.m. having very terrifying existential thoughts, then what a way to distract yourself and then try to go to sleep again. <laughs> okay, and if that's not you, I've also heard you can call um, through like Skype or something, you can call the number for like the Australian customer service number or a different country, and then you're getting their lines in the middle of the night when no one's calling and because they're like not having the same issues that are happening in the U.S. So that's been another tip I've heard. I did want to ask Jess and Megan, you know, there are a lot of these flight deals that you were talking about, Jess, out right now. And there have also been stories saying that flight prices are actually going to increase once travel is 
open again because there's so much less, so many less flights. So it'll be more of a hot commodity. When people are looking at these flight deals that are out right now, I know it's like really tempting to book them. What advice do you have for somebody who's looking to potentially hop on those really solid deals? Yeah, I think kind of the common wisdom that we're hearing from experts is you don't have to jump on those flight deals right now. Like, don't feel pressure to. Everything's really flexible, so it makes it enticing to. But I, what I've heard is like right out of the gate, once um, travel kind of like normalizes again, there will be flight deals around just because airlines initially are going to want to get people back on their planes, get them comfortable flying again get them comfortable with kind of the new health measures, wearing a mask on board, maybe, you know, not having a middle seat, all of that. So I think once there is like kind of that first push to travel again, we will see these deals. So that can kind of help you if you're feeling uncertain right now. So wait and see once again. Great advice. I would say just from personal experience, this is not... um, I wouldn't say this is my like expert opinion, uh, but my personal opinion is that if you're planning a trip for a wedding and you have the rescheduled date or you're planning a trip that you're, you know you're going to take over specific days, I would rebook it just for the peace of mind. And like we were saying earlier, that like level of optimism that like, oh, even if I'm moving this trip to 2021, it's going to happen. Just because I have found that has really helped me mentally think about the times that I will travel again and doesn't make me feel quite like, Oh, I've canceled all my trips for the year. It's like, oh, I just moved them. I just moved them I, to another time. I think that's I think that's such a good point. And kind of going back again to the sort of I think that mantra that we've been having at Traveller, which is very much like postpone, don't cancel. That does not me- mean that there is an expectation for you to travel in the coming months. Obviously, you know that is not going to be a possibility. But it does mean that um, you have something to look forward to, and you can have plans. And I think one of the things that I've been really struggling with is having just like an empty calendar. Like I I bought like a really nice planner for 2020 and it is just blank page after blank page. I mean, like what a waste of time. But I, you know, and this is a tiny example, but I sent like a calendar invite to a good friend of mine for like three months time and was like, let's hang out. And it's like, if we have to move it, then we'll move it. But it's something on the calendar. And who knows, maybe in three months time, it'll be that week and I'll be like, oh shit, I'm supposed to hang out with Anna tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I would also say if you're in a place where it's not financially um, possible for you to postpone, doing just that, putting a calendar invite and saying, you know, next year for this weekend, I will be in this place or asking for the vacation days now, even if you don't know what's going to happen later, that can give you that same level of hope but hopefully get you the cash back that you need. Meredith, you mentioned vacation days, um, which is something that you have written about a lot. So um, passionate. So passionate, so passionate about. <laughs> and we've talked about a lot on the podcast about it and feeling empowered to take your days and also why financially you should be taking your days. And with all this talk of cancelled and postponed trips people suddenly have a lot of unused vacation days on the table. I, for one, suddenly basically have an entire year's worth left to use up in the, you know, before December. What should we do with them? So I actually talked to a bunch of experts about this a couple weeks ago because Lale and Megan and I had been talking on the side about what we were going to do and whether we were going to take vacation. 
and like how we felt about that and whether or not we should hoard them. And we had all these questions. So we figured that other people probably had the same questions. Um, and one of the biggest things they told me was not to hoard vacation days. Obviously, that is in your company's best interest for you not to hoard your vacation days and to use them now and later to scatter them throughout the year, mostly because if you don't take them now and everyone else in your office doesn't take them now, and finally it comes October, November, August, whenever we get to travel again and everyone and their mother says, hey, can I have a week off? Someone's going to lose. Someone's not going to be able to leave. Someone's going to miss out on taking that time or is going to have to break up that vacation time. So by taking the time now, you're not stuck with 20 days at the end of the year that you're not going to be able to use. Also, none of us should be working three months without a break. Like, we wouldn't be doing it in our regular lives. We definitely shouldn't be doing it now. We have fewer work-life boundaries, which means that we're working longer hours if we're working from home. I think a lot of people are feeling very burnt out by the news, by their jobs, by not having a place to go outside of their homes. Um... (laughs) And I know it's, it's all a lot. It's all a lot. No, it really is. And I think I was feeling that. Just hearing it, I'm like, I was oh, I'm feeling tired. that so strongly and realized that I needed, if I had been feeling this way in a regular work environment, I would have said, hey, I need to take a day off. And I, it was one of those things where I was like, how do I ask for a day off when I'm not going to go anywhere? Like, I'm not saying, oh, sorry, I need these specific days because I'm going on vacation. But luckily, I work at a company that was super flexible and they said, yeah, yeah, yeah take a day. And it was probably the best thing I could have done for my mental health. I walked in the morning, I read in the afternoon, I baked a cake in the evening, and it was really nice. And it felt like something different than my regular weekends. Um, Oh, this is totally irrelevant, but I made the Bon Appetit easiest chocolate birthday cake. And it was like the best thing ever. And we've eaten it every night for the last week. Um, But I would just say it's really... It is really weird to ask for them when you cannot travel anywhere, but I think it's more important than ever to take them. And again, like Lale said, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but you're leaving money on the table when you aren't taking them. And I think, yeah, we need them now more than ever for our mental health. I know, Megan, you've written about other things that you can do with your days to make them feel more special. Um, I made an active choice to not watch Netflix until after dinner because I knew that I would probably fall into a deep hole um, if I did. But what what are your suggestions for what you should do? For this month's advice, Women Who Travel Advice column, we talked about like how you make your weekends and your time off actually feel like a break uh, when you're, again, just in your house seven days a week. I spoke to someone who runs the wellness program at Six Senses Resorts and Spas, which are fabulous and like somewhere I'd like to be right now. She talked a lot about setting boundaries. So like literally with the different spaces in your home, it's like you have your work clothes that you wear when you're at your desk. You have your lounge clothes that you keep to the couch and the bed and like really mentally and physically compartmentalizing spaces. And that's been really helpful for me. Like I know I'm wearing a Waffle House sweatshirt right now that we've all commented on, but I've been like putting jeans on to go sit at the table. And then when I peel them off at like 6 or 7 p.m., my sweats feel good. They don't feel grungy. I feel suddenly relaxed. Like I, we also spoke to someone who works, um, designs Ace Hotels, Kelly Sodden, who's been on the podcast before. And she talked about using sensory cues so you can light a candle at the end of the day or at the start of the weekend that like you start associating with off time or saving certain playlists. And I think like little things like that I've started to try and do because otherwise the days are just a giant blur. And I think we like need those 
just like that punctuation. And I think that's been really helpful for me as well. Well, and I think it sort of this whole dilemma over whether we should be taking them and then how we make the most of them kind of speaks to our totally warped attitude towards time off in the first place. Like it's this sort of line of thinking where, well, if I am not going on vacation and I don't have a trip booked or plans, then what's the point of 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 taking this time off and it's like you know how do I make it worthwhile and it's like no you are worthwhile it is worthwhile for you to have that time and you can spend it however you want and I think that's something that I've been struggling with even with just my weekends because you know I'm not a big planner but I also always on the weekends want to like be out and about go for a walk like I have my routines I have the bars that I like to hang out at the nail place that I always know I'm going to go to on the weekend, all those sorts of things that structure it. And I'm not doing very well with lack of structure. And I have this guilt from doing nothing. And it's like, no, I'm working. You could use that planner, Lale, Mm -hmm. to schedule. I know. (laughs) You're like, I'm going to give myself a manicure. I'm going to pour myself a glass of wine. (laughs) I'm going to... And making your time at home special. I keep using the word ceremonial where like everything is like an event. Like if I am making, like I I haven't been dressing up for theme nights. I see that written online. I'm like, that's not me. I'm not going to do that for like my taco dinner. But I am going to put a little mariachi music on maybe. I am going to make a margarita. I am going to like set the scene. And that kind of stuff has made like the nights feel different. The weeks feel different. And feel like this is actually my life rather than this like void that will just be in for a while. But I think it's also like, being forgiving to yourself and if there's a a Saturday or a Sunday where you just don't want to get out of bed don't get out of bed be kind to yourself and and you know I think I beat myself up about like not doing grand enough dinners on the weekend or sort of zooming with enough people or doing all the things that everyone on my Instagram seems to be doing and it's like no like some days like if you can just about get by like that's more than enough (laughs) but Jess how are you spending your weekends Yes. So I would say I'm definitely trying to like get out of my house as much as possible on the weekends, which is a very limited thing, mainly just going on long walks. Um, I'm near Prospect Park. So of course I put my mask on, but definitely like trying to just wander around in there, get a little lost in nature. Cause it's definitely something that I'm craving is like outdoors, fresh air, trees, grass, and just some sunshine. So that's definitely like my main thing on the docket for the weekends. You know, I know we, you were talking about wanting to be out in nature and getting that in Prospect Park. And we've been talking a lot about how spending time in the outdoors is one of the first places that people will turn to when they go to travel again. How do we see people starting to travel over the coming months going into next year? Like, what are what are the types of trips that you guys think people will take first? Just anything that's easy to grab with your hands. Like, if you can just, like, get a, get a hold of a car and take that car somewhere nearby and go to a beach or go to a campground or something like that, I think that's what people are going to be trying to do. I think what's going to get complicated is, like, which space is open first and when will it be responsible to go to the beach or to go to different campgrounds or to go to these smaller communities? I think there'll be a lot of questions around it, but I think as certain states open up, like those natural spaces that you can just get to, or even like bike to, or whatever it is, will be the first things people are doing. I think 
It's going to be really interesting to watch what that's like. I wonder if it will be done slowly enough that we really can phase into a summer of going on camping trips and going to national parks, or if it'll happen too fast and they'll have to close again. I like feel like that's kind of what I'm waiting to see. But yeah, it's like, you know, no one's ready to book that flight back to Italy. But the amazing part of about the U.S. is that there's like so much diversity that you can get to in a car if you have one or have access to one. So I think people will be taking advantage of that. I think that's true. Just people looking to take trips near them, whether it's to national parks or state parks or city parks. And I think that idea of staying close is something that we will probably see a lot of because states will be reopening at different levels. Um, People going within a certain mile radius of their home, maybe staying for a three-day weekend um, so they know that they have easy access to be able to get home and aren't committing to any sort of large trip, which is also probably more cost-effective at this time. But yeah, I, I see my first trips as being sort of like quick, short, snappy day trips or long weekend trips to parks, to nearby cities that are also reopened at that time, wherever those may be. Because I think I'm going to want to get in as much travel as possible. And that seems like it's going to be the easiest way to do it. I think something else we've also talked about in the office a lot is people are going to kind of want some degree of isolation still. So whether it's, you know, renting an Airbnb, uh, renting a villa, going to a cabin, or even like an RV or something, kind of like being able to, c- to control who is in their environment, I think will also be a big factor. I think that's so true. And I think there's also, you know, it's funny, I feel very obviously deprived of social interaction and of loudness and busyness and all the things that make me love living in a city as much as I do. But at the same time, because this experience has felt so overwhelming and you know, being connected on the internet all day, every day and absorbing all this information all the time is so, again, overwhelming. There's also something very enticing to me about going out into the middle of nowhere where I have zero reception and zero connectivity and being alone that way as well. But I also think that has to do with that level of control. Like, you know, the isolation you're feeling right now is not something you've chosen. So by choosing to go to a villa in the woods or a cabin in the woods or, you know, a individual beach house or go somewhere that is just you, where you can be turning off your phone notifications, turning off your Wi-Fi, not watching the TV, doing whatever it is that you want in that location means that you have decided to do that thing versus it being kind of hoisted upon you. And I think what you were saying, Jess, about the villas and rentals being really important to this kind of reopening, you know, we've talked on the podcast before about how family and going back to the places where our families are is something that I think everyone on the podcast now would say is one of the first trips that they're wanting to do. And I think, you know, villas and rentals give you that opportunity to have a huge eight-room house where it's just the people that you know, the people that you love. You get to spend very intimate time close together for better (laughs) or worse. Um, And I see that as being a really good option for people and one that they'll probably choose when they're reuniting with all of the people that they know and love when they can't all fit in one person's house. And I think that's like a really good thing to think about when you are starting to 
let yourself dream about travel and trips next year and you know when we are all moving out of this thing and one thing that me and my family keep talking about and we're all you know separated by an ocean right now is how all we want to do is rent a big house in Greece and all get together there and obviously that as an option is very far down the line but I think it sort of goes back to what we were saying earlier about letting yourself feel a certain level of optimism and I'm like I'm still gonna let myself dream like why why would I deprive myself of that and Laura Delarato who has been on the podcast before and um, has written for women who travel multiple times talks about this in an essay she we published of hers this week which is how she signed up for French lessons um, earlier this year with the aim that she would learn French and then go to Paris this summer and obviously that trip is now on hold but she's still doing the French lessons over Zoom and she's like yes I miss my family terribly and I feel all the same emotions we're all feeling she was like but I've got to let myself have this dream and have this optimism because I know that at some point I will get to do that trip to go to Paris and you know why why would I deprive myself of that and I think kind of I don't know just letting myself think of that villa that I'm going to rent with my family is a really wonderful glimmer at the end of this tunnel um that I am going to let myself get excited about and so I think after the domestic travel like for me that is going to be that's going to be my next stage that is so true and um kind of like with the language lessons too for my Italy trip that got canceled I was doing the same type of thing um it wasn't it was kind of like an online course it was all like recordings and little exercises just to be able to like have enough Italian to get around Rome or Florence and that has been something that has kept me going too is like okay now it's I'm trying to paint it in a silver lining a little bit that now I have so much more time to learn Italian. When I do get there, I can be actually like way more conversational than I ever thought possible. And, you know, kind of making we had the we had an article about the best um, Italian cocktails, which I've definitely been putting to <laughs> use, um, just like making the Negronis um, or Aperol spritzes at the end of the day is really like, I don't know, it just keeps that inspiration alive a little bit. That sounds absolutely delicious, and I will probably go make one right after we finish recording this episode. So just so that everyone knows, this episode was recorded on May 14th, so fingers crossed none of the information has drastically changed in the meantime, but be sure to check cntraveler.com slash coronavirus for up-to-date information. If you have any more questions, please feel free to message us. Lale, where can people find you on the internet? At Lale Hannah on Instagram. And Megan? You can find me at Spirelli on Instagram and please send me a DM if you have any questions for an upcoming advice call. Jess? I'm at Jess Puck on Twitter. And I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor. Be sure to follow Women Who Travel and CN Traveler for all sorts of info and inspiration. And we hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bye.